This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clement's each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I'm Andy Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Disney Delaney. So what? It's the Twits Odyssey Part 2. Um, we're working our way gradually through Roald Dahl's book, The Twits, which you might be familiar with if you've ever been a child. Hmm. Um, of course, it's illustrated famously by Quentin Blake. So we'll be talking as much about the illustrations as much as the story itself. Lots of chapters in this, lots of very short chapters indeed. I think we rattled through three of them in the first episode. We're now on to the next chapter, which is just called Mrs. Twit, who we've not heard anything from so far. It's hmm. all been about Mr. Twit and dirty beards and dirty faces. Yeah, um, Mrs. Twit doesn't have a beard. Um, but you know, Roald Dahl isn't kind to Mrs. Twit at all. No, he wasn't kind to Mr. Twit. He's not kind to Mrs. Twit. He even begins the chapter by saying Mrs. Twit was no better than her husband. Mm. Um, she did not, of course, have a hairy face. It was a pity she didn't, because at that rate, that would have hidden some of her fearful ugliness. Take a look at her, he says. Take a look at her. Have a look at and this. Do. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Fix your fucking papers on this, everyone. Fuck me. Have a look at it. Quentin, Quentin, it's me, Rold. Yeah, I've got a new job for you, new commission. I want you to draw a right ugly cow. I'm working on a book about a couple of fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) He's fucking horrible. Yeah, I I don't know. You're the fucking drawer, not me. Just make a fucking (laughs) disgusting, right? But have it ready for Thursday. <laughs> I could probably get that done for you by about 2pm today. Thursday! <laughs> fucking Thursday! You're giving me That's fucking... drawing day. You're giving me fucking brain damage now. I've got a fucking three chapters to write. I don't need you fucking sending your stupid drawings over now. Viking drawings over, middle of the day. Thursday, you cunt. Now get it done. Not before 11 either. Make sure it's fucking good. me up. <laughs> Make sure she's fucking ugly. fucking ugly do you hear me Quentin (laughs) and there there she is she's got bird's nest hair Mm. we can only see one of her eyes because the hair's grown over the the other one she's got a long pointed nose like a beak like a seagull's beak the mouth is just like a, a slit there's some teeth that appear to be protruding out of it there's fucking hell there's, there's a, at least three chins going on there mm. um, she seems to be wearing some kind of horrible dress with a stain on it I feel sorry for her 
I feel sorry for her. She's yeah. obviously troubled. Yeah. She's not happy. Um, no one particularly no. wants to look like that, and she's not happy. And um, decades you know, of sadness. Sy- sympathy is all you can, all you can feel towards yeah. her, really. Yeah. But sympathy is not what you get from Roald Dahl. No way. In this book, he says rather than rather than seeing what we've just said, imagine the decades of misery that's led her to look like that. He just says, "Have you ever seen a woman with an uglier face than that? I doubt it." <laughs> Okay, now, all right, mate. Um, but then he, he he goes on, he says, the funny thing is that she wasn't born ugly. She had quite a nice face when she was young. The ugliest had grown upon her year by year as she got older. Why would that happen? I'll tell you why. Oh, I fucking bet you will, doll, you cunt. And then there's the, the famous passage, which regularly gets spread on social media. Yeah. Usually next to a picture of Katie Hopkins' face. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of explains why Katie Hopkins is like she is. Mm. And it says, I'll read it out. It says, if a person has ugly thoughts, it begins to show on the face. And when that person has ugly thoughts every day, every week, every year, the face gets uglier and uglier until it gets so ugly you can hardly bear to look at it. A person who has good thoughts cannot ever be ugly. You can have a wonky nose and a crooked mouth and a double chin and stick out teeth. But if you have good thoughts, they will shine out of your face like sunbeams and you will always look lovely. What do you think about that? How true that is. Um, I'm not sure. <clears throat> I don't think there's any truth in that at all, really. I think I it's a, I think uh, it's a bit unfair what he's saying. He tries to cover I, himself by because the drawing of the person who he says as an example of someone who looks lovely because they have kind thoughts. He's drawn them with a big fat tummy, sticking out teeth, mm. a large like, nose. So he's trying to make the point that you don't have to be convention you don't have to conform to society's notions of beauty in yeah. order to be a lovely looking person, a kind looking person. But at the right. same time, I don't think he can get out of it that easily because he's sort of indicating that anyone who is aesthetically displeasing is usually looks that way because they are bad people. And I just think if you equate like moral fibre or goodness mm. with with the, what you look like <clears throat> to children, it's just not good. Yeah. There's no truth in it. I mean, let's, I, let's I, think of someone... I, I wouldn't ever describe anyone as ugly. I don't know what the parameters are. Do you know what I mean? You can't... You, yeah. Where is the, the age that I'm at, the level of emotional maturity that I've got, I, I wouldn't look, look at someone and say, that's an ugly person. Yeah. Because no one is really. No. And there's lots of bad people who... Um, are beautiful. Who are quite... Yeah, quite hot. I mean, you know... I mean... Hitler was quite sexy, wasn't he? In his own way, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Gaddafi <laughs> certainly was. Oh, yeah. Gaddafi had something about him. Um, and I say that as a heterosexual man. Someone said to um, me... That so, oh, someone tweeted the other day that... Um, you might know this, people might know it, I didn't, that Bin Laden was six mm. foot five. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? I think Bin Laden had a lot of charisma. Of course he did. I wouldn't see a lot, him ugly. A lot of these people do. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, so you get evil, cruel people who are perfectly good. But I suppose Rod Dole would say, but did they look kind? I would say Saddam. When Saddam kidnapped... That kid wearing the Spurs shirt that time. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when Saddam kidnapped those people in the first Gulf War mm. and he had that lad in the Spurs shirt? Yeah. 
I remember watching it on the box and thinking, this this bloke, this lad seems all right. Like this yeah. Saddam fella. He looks like a kindly uncle. He's got kind a, eyes. Yeah. He's a bit of a prankster. Yeah. A bit of kidnapping here and uh, hostage taken. But, but, you know, you who, know. who among us hasn't? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as it turned out, he was a complete bastard. Um <clears throat> But yeah, you, so you can you can even look kind, but still be a bastard. I mean, there's pictures of the young Rose West where she looks Perfect. quite attractive and smiley. Yeah, um, I mean, the later pictures after all the killing had happened, that she possibly doesn't look as attractive. But that's maybe that's onset of middle age. And let's think menopause. of let's think of some ugly people. Well, people that society might deem to be ugly, right? Who mm. are in fact kind people. So people with... Well, look at Simon Weston, right? Yeah. So he, unfortunately, yeah. was disfigured in the Falklands War. Mm-hmm. And so his face certainly doesn't conform to conventional notions of beauty, right? <clears throat> it's, mm-hmm. it's unconventional. But what a kind bloke. Look at all the work he's done for charity. He did. He did, yeah. The Elephant Man in the film. Fucking really kind. Lovely fella, but if you saw him coming down the street, you'd probably shield your kids' eyes from him. Yeah, but so they didn't you, get frightened. What, what you wouldn't think, unless you were old doll, was what a cunt. <laughs> he must have been a right cunt. If old doll saw some of Elephantitis, he'd go, <laughs> and he was with his kids. He was with the young Sophie doll, his granddaughter. He'd yeah. go, hey, little un. Look at this comp coming up here. Look at him. It's deformed comp. Oh, granddad. Along. Don't, granddad, don't be mean. Just because he looks that way, it doesn't mean he's a bad person. That's where no, you're fucking no, no, wrong. I'm telling you. That's where you're wrong. You don't get that ugly unless your head's you're fucking full of consciousness. And <laughs> believe me, you're young, right? You'll learn one day, right? I'm fucking telling you from years' experience. That bloke there, nailed on. Fucking gold standard comp. <laughs> and he's got the face to fucking prove it. <laughs> elephant I'm man, elephant cunt more like. I'm looking at a picture of Roald Dahl now. Yeah, he was And that. he's not a looker. Exactly, he's not he fucking good looking looking he wasn't fucking that good looking. Yeah. Who made him the fucking judge? Judge and exactly. jury who looks good and who's a good person. Well, that's the funny thing. I mean, I've been in environments before that are very, very judgmental about looks remember i briefly worked in the celebrity magazine world and i I remember being pretty alarmed if i'm honest right by the attitude of people who worked in that sector towards judging Mm. the appearance of celebrities right and i'd often think to myself who the fuck are we to say like uh like all that stuff about uh they there's a i remember they did one article called had it lost it Right, and it was about oh. it was about men, hot celebrity <laughs> men who had lost it. So a great example would be like Russell Crowe. So that picture Richard of him. In, in, <laughs> well, that was when I took charge of the magazine. Things took a <laughs> things took a slightly took a slightly strange turn. I, I put Richard O'Sullivan on <laughs> torso yeah, of yeah. the week. Richard O'Sullivan. <laughs> Sam, we're not sure that a lot of our readers will have heard of him. Well, they fucking will do, do now. It. I'll fucking decide who they've heard of and who they haven't, right? 
<laughs> I'm the fucking editor. I'm the fucking what boss. What does it say on my door? Yeah. I'll get fucking Richard O'Sullivan with it. Get me a picture of Richard O'Sullivan with his top off. Round about 1980. Get down to that nursing home. He's going to get an interview with him. Pronto. <laughs> uh, he's going on the front. Amazing. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we are six pages into this book and it's already apparent that the only cunt in this book is Roald Dahl. Well, I don't know I how many true, people saw the extract from Kingsley Ames' book about Roald Dahl that I posted yeah. on Instagram. But it was fucking incredible, wasn't it? Yeah. It was an, it, it, it only lasted two and a half pages, but Kingsley Ames is a fucking good writer. Because in two and a half pages, he is absolutely obliterated Roald Dahl, hasn't he? Yeah. With sat- writing. Yeah, really like, quite subtly as well. He hasn't really had to go into mm. a huge amount of detail to convey a hell of a lot about him. I mean, you know enough when he fucking turns up at old Tom Stoppard's gaff in a fucking helicopter. <laughs> I mean, he could stop there and you'd think, yeah, bit cuntish. <laughs> well, suddenly King's James goes, I couldn't work out. No, no, there's no reason why he had to turn up in a helicopter. It was Sunday and there wasn't bad traffic. <laughs> weird there wasn't even many cars back then no in the 1970s and that no but he did it he did what he did um Dahl continues about Mrs Twit nothing shone out of Mrs Twit's face in her right hand she carried a walking stick she used to tell people this is because she had warts growing on the sole of her left foot and walking was painful well as a wart sufferer myself I'm not going to judge her for that yeah, but I wasn't the real reason. It was so she could hit things with it, like dogs and cats and small children. Mm. And then he says, and then there was the glass eye. Mrs. Twit had a glass eye that was always looking the other way. Well, again, it's not our fault she's got a fucking glass eye. It's horrible, isn't it? No, exactly. She's off. She's, she's lost the fucking. Eye she, she might have been tasered in yeah. the eye. Yeah, exactly. After a misunderstanding with some police officers. It could happen. So then he's thought, I mean, he's just, the, the glass eyes come up with that as just an afterthought at the end of this chapter, hasn't he? Oh, I'll give her a fucking glass oh, eye as well. I could do not? a few more words in this chapter. So then yeah, he's gone, right, what's the next chapter? Eye. What should I call the next chapter? I'll call it the glass eye, I suppose. Yeah. I'll get a couple of pages out talking about the fucking glass eye. Why not? I think like I'm halfway done already. <laughs> um, and he says, you can play a lot of tricks with a glass eye because you can take it out and pop it back in at any time you like. You can bet your life Mrs. Twit knew all the tricks. Well, all the tricks, he's just kind of said what all the tricks are, taking it out and putting it back in again. There are no other tricks. Um, one morning she took out a glass eye and dropped it into Mr. Twit's mug of beer when he wasn't looking. I like this. <clears throat> a couple of things I like about this. First of all, he's drinking beer in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, he's drinking it from a mug. Oh, beer mug. Oh, Where's my beer mug? mug? Beer. Where's my fucking beer mug? <laughs> Is he trying to suggest he's a cunt for drinking beer out of a mug in the morning? Or is he holding him up as some kind of, you know, paragon of virtue? I don't no, know. I think that I think every detail that Roald Dog gives about either twit is designed to make out that they're cunts, right? In fact, the working mm. title of this book was The Cunts. <laughs> the Cunts. <laughs> and the publisher, the publisher, Sir John Puffin, insisted that they change it. <laughs> the thing is we've got a children's audience they, they a lot of them don't know that word well and some of them the parents just simply won't buy a book called that if they don't know the word then how can it be a problem <laughs> you either get it you're either in on the joke in which case it's hilarious 
or you're not, in which case it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's, look, look, a couple of years ago, the Sex Pistols brought an album out called Never Mind the Bollocks. Mm. There was a kerfuffle about that. There was a court case. They got away with it. They had it in shop windows and everything. It's fine. Time. Call it the cunts. Listen, I've had one, one thing about writing books, right? You've got to make the titles literal. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. People were coming up with all sorts of different fucking ideas for that book, right? I said, <laughs> it's about a kid called Charlie going to a chocolate factory. Call it <laughs> Charlie and the fucking Chocolate Factory, right? <laughs> Then, James and the Giant Peach. It were about a kid called James who flies off in a massive fucking flying peach, right? I could have got all fancy, right? But I didn't. I called it James and the Giant Peach, right? And then... George, George's Marvellous Medicine. About a kid called George who makes a marvellous medicine. George's Marvellous Medicine. Now I'm writing then, a book about a then, pair of cunts. And then I've done Danny the Champion of the World. But a lad called Daddy... He's the champion of the world. You know, what's not to love about it? Now this explains itself, doesn't it? Jalapeño. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Jalapeño. These two people... Their defining characteristic is that they are both cunts. So why would I call this book anything other than The Cunts? <laughs> but as I've always said to you, once I've handed it over, you can do what you like with it. Well, <laughs> Change anything you want. I could not give a fuck. We could still convey it, convey the same sentiment, but not in such crude terms. So, for instance, one of our ideas was to call them The Twits. <laughs> yeah, but they're not fucking twits, are they? Right? A twit. A twit is someone who accidentally does something daft, right? These two are, are cunts, right? It's a whole different fucking kettle of fish, a whole different level to a twit. <laughs> I mean, a cunt is eight, nine, ten levels above twit, right? <laughs> Not one level. I've got the list here somewhere. I wrote it down once. You've got twit, then you've got dick, prick, twat, wanker, praddy. <laughs> Wally Mo- That's quite popular at the minute Moron <laughs> Dick Splash Nob end 
Dick Splash, that's one that the kids are using in the playgrounds. I'm not sure what that one means. <laughs> Spunk Bubble, that one's used a lot nowadays. And then it goes all the way up the cunts, right at the top, right at the fucking top and of that's the tree, cunts. These two are operating at the fucking elite level, right? That's the, almost the old point of the book. They're extreme characters, right? One of them, one of them drinks beer from a fucking mug for his breakfast. In the morning. Do you think that sounds like twistish behaviour? Or do you think it sounds like cuntish behaviour? Right? Think about that. I'll leave that for you to answer to yourself. <sighs> so there you are. He, uh, Mr. Twit drank the beer slowly. The froth made a white ring on the hairs around his mouth. He wiped the white froth onto his sleeve and wiped his sleeve onto his trousers. Uh, well, you know, that's not that horrible. He probably doesn't go out much. You know, no one's getting affected by seeing that, seeing the state that Rod, he's in. Rod Dahl's a bit of a snob, isn't he? He's a cunt, isn't he? <laughs> You're plotting something, Mrs. Twit said, keeping her back turned so she he wouldn't see that she'd taken out her glass eye. <clears throat> Whenever you go all quiet like that, I know very well you're plotting something. Mrs. Twit was right. <clears throat> Mr. Twit was plotting away like mad. He was trying to think up a really nasty trick he could play on his wife later that day. You better be careful, Mrs. Twit said, because when I see you starting to plot, I watch you like a wombat. Whoa. <clears throat> so there. Um, oh, do shut up, you old hag, Mr. Twit said. <laughs> he went on drinking. <laughs> now, you put, I've put hag there. I want slag. I want you to put slag in that. We're going to check. Well, I know you'll hey. change it. Yeah, it's rolled here. Put me through to the Roll editor. Again. Yeah, I'm looking at this edited manuscript, and I, it's fine because the check's cleared in my bank account, so I couldn't really give two fucks. But why have you changed the word slag to hag on page 10? <laughs> he clearly said in my original, do shut up, you fucking slag. Right? <laughs> and you've changed it to, oh, do shut up, you old hag. Why? <laughs> well, we just thought, right, maybe we are, it seems that the demographic that buy into your books, the fucking what? The what a graphic. <laughs> um, I should say, the type of person, I, right? They, they like, they, they tend to be of a younger age. We, we're going from between the 8 to 12 audience, they, and that kind of enjoy, language. They, they enjoy the insults. They enjoy the badinage between <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Twit. But yeah. some of the some <laughs> of the, the words you've used aren't quite appropriate, really. Like which one? Fucking Fuck, hell. Fucking or slag. I'm trying to push boundaries again. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, move society on. All right. If you want, if you want <laughs> fucking, if you want to play it safe, right... If you want to go basic, if you want to give go people Blyton. a load of shit what they are, go and fucking get... I've got fucking Enid Blyton's number here, right? She's <laughs> she's on her fucking last legs, but she'll still she knock lives, something out for you. She lives two doors down. Get that cunt that does the fucking Mr. Men books. Hargraves. <laughs> Roger fucking Hargraves. Yeah, oh, he's fucking phoning it in, isn't he? Yeah. Fuck me. Wish I'd had that fucking idea. <laughs> Okay, hell. Now, what he hasn't sent in yet, and probably never will, because he's got no balls on him, is Mr. Cunt. <laughs> now, that's a fucking book I'd read. <laughs> uh, um, he went on drinking his beer, 
and his evil mind kept working away on the latest horror trick he was going to play on the old woman. Suddenly, as Mr. Twit tipped the last drop of beer down his throat, he caught sight of Mrs. Twit's awful glass eye, staring up at him from the bottom of the mug. It made him jump. I told you I was watching you, cackled Mrs. Twit. I've got eyes everywhere, so you'd better be careful. Well, uh, you know, it's a shame he didn't drink the fucking iron choke on it, really, isn't it? I would have ended the story a bit early. It would have been funny. It would be a funny way for someone to die in a book. Um, yeah. I think, you know, in some ways, the Twits, I've always thought from day one with, with the Twits, really, that actually a lot of couples who grow old together just become completely, like, indifferent and they're just sort of, at mm. best, life partners, you know? Yeah. Someone sit and watch the telly with. I, you see lots of couples, they don't, they don't have many shared interests. They kind of moan about each other a little bit, but they don't even particularly argue. I have always thought this is reflective of a, a, a sort of a, a Richard Burton, Elizabeth Taylor type relationship that is full it's tempestuous, of... It's isn't tempestuous, isn't it? Yeah. It's full of fire, it's full of passion, passion. right? Mm. Because in Imagine order... Imagine the sex. It, it'd be at the makeup sex that the Twitters had would be <laughs> legendary, wouldn't it? <laughs> disgusting yeah ah oh, the language they'd use to each other as well oh god oh god repulsive i i uh, you know i don't know if you ever it's thought also about, very triggering i'm thinking all right in a uh a blue version you know for the dads <laughs> they like it and we could call it the twits late night the t- <laughs> after dark the twits after dark right so what we do is the parents are reading it. They think it's fucking funny. And then they realise I've done a dead mucky version just I've for them. Porno. <laughs> You'd have to, I've done a bluey. I could even turn it into a film. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if that exists, the porn version of the Twitch. Fuck you know, they do that, they make porn versions of pretty much everything, don't they? Yeah. Of anything popular in culture. There's got to be a porn version of the t- I'm going to Google it now. It's so. probably called The Tits. <laughs> now my favourite my favourite like porn version names were White Men Can Hump that's a good one isn't it <laughs> and also of course the classic <clears throat> Shaving Ryan's Privates um, the twits what's this have you met the twits no I don't think they have there's lots of twins in, but none, none were twits. Well, any uh, porn makers listening, you can have that idea for free. Want to be porn barons? Yeah. <laughs> Next chapter is called the Frog. This <clears> sounds <throat> promising. It is. Yep, and to peer back for the glass eye in the beer, Mister Twit decides to put a frog in Missus Twit's bed. That's got separate beds. Now, I don't know if this is a good thing or not for a marriage later in life to have separate beds or not. So, well, as I've, be... I've discussed before, my grandparents had separate rooms. They did, that's right, yeah. Um, yeah. Which I always quite... I thought it was quite good that my granddad had his own rig because it was a really good rig, yeah. right? Um, but this is really interesting. Again, I think this is reflective of a relationship that they've made, they've made efforts to keep the energy alive mm. in it because you're in the same room but separate beds and that is mm. there's something interesting about the dynamic there is yeah. yeah there is yeah because when you Again, do occasionally get the opportunity to climb into the other bed it feels like a real yeah. thrill whereas when you share yeah. a bed every night I mean I've often thought it's quite a weird thing that married couples share a bed 
Don't you? I think it is quite weird. Well, I think, uh, yeah, I suppose so. Are you speaking to someone who hasn't been married for almost 10 years now? But it's a weird convention. It's a weird convention. But I've, I've got a king size bed to myself, and sometimes I wake up on one side of it, sometimes I wake up on the other. I imagine if there was someone else there, I'd probably push them out involuntarily. I mean, I'm not like, it's not like, oh, she gets in the way or all this stuff. But I just sort of think, do you know what? It feels a bit like it's part of the um, the patriarchy. Right. Yeah. It's a bit like, I think it was like, I think it's a patriarchy thing. It's like, right. Yeah. Right. Right. I really like you so much that I want us to go into a fucking house of God. Right. And I want one of the fucking vicars to stand there and do a special ceremony. And then you're going to sign legal documents, right? Yeah, and then you'll belong to me after that. You promise that you stay with me until we're both dead. Yeah. Right. Now, you're going to... There are a few other terms. Key amongst them is that you will sleep every night for the rest of your life in the same bed as me. It's called a marital bed. Yeah. So you have to sleep in it because it. it's part of the marriage. That way I can keep an eye on you. Make sure you're not in every any other bastard's bed. And I will I will say at this point, I do snore and I do fart during the night. <laughs> but you're going to have to deal with that. That's part of it. You're in it for... Part the, of the marriage. You're in it for the long fucking haul now. Don't you go... If I ever catch you sleeping anywhere other than next to me in my bed, <laughs> then there is going to be serious repercussions. It does feel like that. I think it's a patriarchal conspiracy. Yeah, any marriage where they do end up in separate beds or even in separate rooms, that's always going to be at the behest of the wife, isn't it? It's never going to be the man's suggestion. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I think we have separate beds now. But it's I think going to be I think, I'm not, enough's enough. I'm not going to suggest this to my wife because she might take it the wrong way, but I think they could... Um, plus, we don't have the room. I mean, I suppose we could sell our double and fit two singles into it, but whatever. You could get, you could, you could get bunk beds, some. Yeah, exactly. Bunk beds are fun. They are fun, actually. <laughs> But actually, we've got some bunk beds in the storage because the kids used to have bunk beds and now they're at right, the storage. Well, I could just get them out. Bring them out, yeah. I could not tell her Spice and do it as marriage. a surprise. She'd come home one day from her mum's. Like, I've got a little surprise for you. Lead her upstairs. What happened to our bed? we got bunk beds yeah. now. Spice, spice things, things up, up a bit. Put this wig on. <laughs> what? <laughs> Put this wig on. I'll I'm going to pret- pretend we're back. We're backpackers whose paths have crossed <laughs> in the Australian outback. I'll have the bottom book, right, because I'm scared of heights. You have the top one. And then when I'm feeling a bit randy, I'll say, are you coming down for a bit? For a cuddle. And that's when you'll know. You're coming down for a cuddle. <laughs> Special cuddle. In this game, your name is Svetlana, right? <laughs> you got to do an accent. <laughs> Anyway. Do you have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, going back to that thing about marriages that just kind of exist, yeah, and that they're, they're kind of dead. I used to, every Saturday morning, I used to go to Newcastle to go record shop prowling mm. <laughs> on the uh, on the early bus on the Saturday morning. Mm. And there was this old couple from round the corner used to get the same bus every Saturday. And I used to sit a few seats behind them and watch them every week. Every week on that 35-minute journey to Newcastle, they never exchanged a single fucking word between the two of them. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, I never, ever, ever want to be in a situation like that with anybody. Can oh, you, you, see it, you see it all the time, examples like that, oh, don't you? If you ever go, if you ever stay in a and b 
when you go down mm. to breakfast in the morning, mm. the whole breakfast room is full of couples who just yeah. are not t- talking. And if they do talk, they mutter. They go, yeah. And if one of them accidentally mutters slightly too loudly, the other one gets the fucking raging hump. Can you pass the salt? Sorry. I said, can you pass the salt? All right. I heard you the first time. Fuck's sake. Why don't you tell everyone how much you love salt? Why don't Why don't we hang all our fucking dirty washing out for all these strangers to see? Why don't we abandon the carefully scheduled plans we've got for today and go to the salt mine instead if you like it that much? I hope you drown in salt. <laughs> I mean, thinking about it, the more we assess the state of most British marriages, the more the twits seem to have it sorted. Yeah, they have. They have. I there's would say their of, marriage um, is experimental. There's a lot of antipathy between them, a lot yeah. of hatred, but at the same but time, it's vibrant, it. it's alive, yeah, isn't it's it? Alive, yeah, it's alive, exactly. Yeah, it's something to aspire to almost. They're playing tricks on each other constantly. Yeah, it's fun. You know, she's put. Yeah, they're a fun couple. She's put, mm. she's put the glass eye in his morning mug of beer. He's about to put a fucking frog in her bed. That's why I fucking um, love her. Look at that. Yeah. An eye in my beer. Absolute sexual classic. Sexual tension's not far from the surface, yeah. is it? Fucking yeah. hell. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll leave it there because the frog's about to go in the bed and uh, that could be a major yeah, plot a bit, point. a bit so. of a cliffhanger, that. Yeah, we've covered four pages, I think. Well done, us. Yeah, luckily it's in a short book. two of the twits. It is a short book. Um, we'll probably it'll only take us about 25 episodes, I think, at the current rate. Quite a short one by our standards. Uh, we'll be back with part three of the Twits next week. Fucking brace yourselves. Ta-ra, cunts. See you, dickheads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.